and welcome to yet another episode of your favorite Worldwide Charles pod. This is episode 31 of the Worldwide Charles, and we are with you today with guests uh, Mike, we've got Marv, we've got Corey, and Andrew. I'll introduce them ever so shortly. Uh, but today we're just going to get into the, you know, the Liverpool review, that disgusting 2-0 loss. I'm sick and tired of losing to these guys. And then we're also going to get into the Barnsley game for tomorrow, as well as some Twitter questions from our lovely followers. Uh, so firstly, introducing Marv returning. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, my man. How are you? I'm great. How's, how's fatherhood treating you? Uh, yeah, well, it's a very, very difficult initiation. The first few days, it was good, and very, well, it's still good now, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough new lifestyle to, to live, yes. No doubt. You're going to be an epic dad, man. I've just, I just know it. So for those who don't know, Marv is a new dad. Congratulations to Marv from all of us, my friend. Thank you, my man. I appreciate that a lot. Absolutely. Uh, we've got returning Mikey Mike. How are you? Doing well, man. How about you? No, I can't complain. I was upset yesterday, but I seem to have gotten over it. You know, real life kicked in. But doing all right? Yeah, same, bro. Same, same. All right. Corey, Corey, what's going on? You know, it's another day. You know, we just live in, you know. <laughs> was it a long one? <laughs> it was a long one, again. All right, I got you. We've got Mr. Andrew. What's going on, bro? Kamal, always a pleasure. I, uh... I can't believe you you agitated me with with talking mess about about grits ten minutes per <laughs> season. So, uh, so I know you just wanted to rile me up and get me passionate leading into this, but uh, I can't complain. I'm happy to be here, man. Absolutely. And for those who don't know, as I've said before, Andrew is our newest member of WWC, and he's got a fire article in the lines, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. it's uh, hopefully it's divisive. Yeah, I'm sure it will be, I and mean, it should be dropping soon. Um, but anyway, let's get into it. So we're going to start with Liverpool, and you know, I'm like I said at the top, I am sick and tired of losing to these guys year in year out. Um, I know we beat them in the cup, but I'm talking about the league where it matters. Liverpool, you know, Jurgen Klopp. I like the guy; he's a quality manager. But there's something about that team that just drives me insane. Um, yeah, another two 0 loss. Some brain dead moments from two players. Um, let's get your initial thoughts. I'll start with Corey. What's your initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, initial thoughts. Uh, I thought we played decently well um, in the first half. I think for a team going against Liverpool, you know that you're not really going to control the ball. Um, they typically, how Klopp had some set up, they're some of the best passing players that you can find in the league. Um, so I felt comfortable having like Werner and and Havertz up in the front, maybe Golo, you know, getting some some clearances or getting some balls won, and then you know releasing the Lions and getting Werner to just to run at those guys, especially um, to run at Fabinho, who is playing center back um, for them, which is I think is a first for him in that team. So I thought we had a chance, uh, especially on the break against him, but. A uh, little disappointing, obviously, at the end of the first half. You, you go down to 10 men from a clueless uh, brain fart from the player who we all thought was going to be leaving in the in the summer. Uh, and Andreas Christensen kind of really just blew the, the game out of the water for us. Knowing second half, you just kind of figure it's going to come eventually. They're going to score, and it, you know what I mean? And then the second goal was just uh, no words. I don't even know how to even 
comprehend what happened. So, um, but <laughs> I, I imagine we'll get into player ratings or whatnot. But I have a couple of players yes. that I thought did pretty well. So we'll go on from there. For sure. Well, you know, I mean, like, like, like you said, you know, I don't. Uh, when it comes to Christensen, we'll get into him, obviously. But my initial take on the game is that I still don't understand what Lampard's trying to do. Um, you know, we're going to get into this further, but I still don't see what Lampard's trying to do, how he's trying to set the team up, how he's trying to attack, how he's trying to defend. You know, we were good defensively for a certain amount of time. Um, but yeah, we'll get into it a little bit further. Uh, Mike, what's, what's your review on the game? I think I was probably like the most positive out of the whole. Oh yeah, group. you were. <laughs> you were like, oh. oh, we're coming back. Yeah, no, I, I know, and, and truly, I mean, here's the thing, man. I, I've always, I've always tried to look at this team with the, with essentially with an exercise of patience here. Um, to harken back to what uh, Matt had said, and this was several episodes ago when we were talking about the transfers and about bringing all these players in and bringing a lot of players in at that. I mean, I knew that there was going to be some growing pains, that sort of thing. But, you know, when it comes to the the two the two players in question, Keppa and, and AC, it seems like it's two steps forward, three steps back. And it, it's basically – and I was praising both of them, man. I was like, holy shit, great save by Keppa. Looked like AC was coming – you know, he, he – he saved that goal, in my opinion, on uh, on the yeah. on the second shot when he backtracked and yeah. and Keppel was off his line, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh my God, this is great!" And here we are, you know, and we're down a man, and yeah, and and going to what and speaking of what you just said, I mean, we don't know what the hell Frank is thinking because we're sitting there going, "Well, surely Mount's coming off, right? He's coming off." Like, no, no, he's not. No, we're gonna take Averts off. So. I don't know. I, I mean, your guess is as good as mine on what he's, what he, what his plans are with a healthy squad. But um, yeah, man, I, I felt like with the right moves, like sh- we could have possibly have gotten, we, we could have gotten some sort of result with the right moves, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, missing a penalty, you know, that second goal was an abomination of goals. So you know, Lampard said it. It's kind of one-one. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, you know, Mount. We all thought Mount should have come, been the one to come off, but again, Lampard's second son. And I hate to say that about Lampard because I love him so much, but he needs to. I don't know what it is about Mason Mount that he that he sees or that he loves. I, I do get it, but you know, we'll we'll get into it a little bit further. Um, Andrew, what's what's your initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, I you know I I think that there is a good amount of. Um, I think that Mike's lenience in that sense or optimism is in a measured sense good to have because again, this result isn't going to dictate a trend in Chelsea in my eyes. I was more frustrated in that. I absolutely believe that this was an attainable result, uh, whether it was a draw. I thought that was highly probable. And I, I thought that we could have absolutely scraped a win out of this as well. Liverpool looked very fallible, very shaky against Leeds. And I know that Bielsa in his first match in the Premier League is is going to disrupt the team. But, you know, the individual errors that they had, I went into this match thinking Timo Werner could absolutely capitalize on that. I was disappointed to see Kai Havertz deployed, in my eyes, out of position as something that's not a 8 or a 10 role. Um, in the second position, second different position, out of position uh, as a secondary striker. And 
I was frustrated with Timo. I, I thought that this match showcased his pace, um, actually, in that he was popping up into ridiculous space that I, I did not think was feasible in, in setups that we had previously. And to, to his credit, I thought Fabinho was phenomenal uh, slotting into the center back role for Liverpool. And, you know, everyone had their own concept of, of how they wanted to line up against Liverpool. I would say, you know, avoiding this kind of divisive, taboo conversation about Callum Hudson-Odoi, I thought that that game cried out for Timo Werner to either be playing on the left wing or be playing off the shoulder of a kind of in-the-hole striker. So I, I would have loved to have seen Olivier Giroud uh, against Fabinho and uh, Virgil van Dijk. But, yeah, it, it was frustrating because the, the Brighton match, we were the beneficiaries of a couple of defensive lapses and moments of brilliance. And mm. it was the opposite uh, on Sunday. And I think that Sadio Mane is a phenomenal player in that those singular lapses in a match he will absolutely convert and capitalize on and yeah mike mike's correct christensen and zuma both looked phenomenal mo Salah put in a, a bunch of dangerous crosses and they were very comfortable cutting those out uh, especially when keppel was off his line uh, for that weird ricochet but you uh, it's like we talked about in the Brighton match that those singular moments in a, in a one goal deciding match, they're, you know, they're massive and blood on Christensen and Kappa's hands, both in, in my eyes. Yep. hundred um, percent. I fully agree with everything you said there. And I, I want to touch on what you said, what you said earlier as well. Um, I definitely thought that Giroud would have been a perfect player for that type of game. He always gives, Van Dyke issues since Arsenal um, and Southampton, you know, he's always given him problems. And, yeah. you know, we, we all said it pregame, you know, Giroud up top, giving them issues, knocking them off and laying them off to, to Werner on the right, on the left, sorry, would have been, it made just too much sense. And obviously Frank saw something else. Kai Havertz is a false nine. I, I have no idea what that was about. I know he's done it for Bayer Leverkusen, but, you know, just the logic, throwing him up against in his second game, against the best team in the land and having him go against them too just that uh, just didn't make sense to me and Lampard you know we need to question him um Amav what's, what's your first initial thoughts on the game well that's a good point uh that you raise actually because uh you're not allowed to criticize uh Lampard because if you do you're all of a sudden Lampard out or that gets put in your mouth I noticed that quite a lot um the thing yeah. you said at the very end there I think is absolutely just astonishing I mean, why didn't Giroud play? Um, in the Super Cup, he scored and then was dropped for about seven months or whatever. He, he right. scored the game on the counter when we won 1-0. I mean, yeah, like you said, he always seems to give Van Dyke a game. And yeah, maybe the game plan would have worked if we didn't have, you know, one of the worst defenders in the Premier League at the back next to Zuma. But, um, you know... It just wasn't even that good for me. I mean, we never looked like scoring before that time anyway. Whilst we broke away nicely, we wasted the opportunities. Um, I, I'm not positive about the result, although I'm not really annoyed because we're only three points behind. I mean, we've got a whole season to catch that up when the good players come back. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm, 
I mean, we have to be able to question some of the decisions here. I mean, I'm not saying that I know more than Frank Lampard, which is what got leveled at me on Twitter just for saying that it's quite obvious to everyone, well, everyone that knows football, that Christensen and Kepper are not great players. I mean, you look at the lineup and I tweeted, you know, I'm not going to say anything, just win. But in my mind, I was thinking exactly what I thought when we were playing, I think it was West Ham. I might have been West Ham. And I saw the lineup and just thought, geez. And it might have been Sheffield United, actually. But it's, ever see a lineup and it just knocks the wind out of you before the game even starts? That was how I felt. When I saw that he again picked Christensen and he's worth, plays one great game and then costs us a game and, and costs us a few games. And whilst he did defend that Kepa thing well, then I praised that. I said, wow, well done, AC. Brilliant. And then he just ruined it all. It would have been better off letting Mane score. At least then we'd have still had 11 players on and we could have fought back in a game. But And also, I'm not ha- overly happy about the substitutions. And, and also, we'd come back to the point about Hudson-Odoi. I don't think he's good enough yet to play for Chelsea. But maybe, just maybe, that game probably suited us actually trying a winger. And if he's the only winger, even if you don't like him, even if he's the only winger, so surely he has to play. If, if I mean, what, what's he going to think when Pulisic and Ziyech come back? Anyway, enough of my ranting. I'm going to let you guys come back in. No, that's what this pod's about, man. We're, we're all here to chime in and rant. So yeah. if, I'm not if anyone ever feels free. I'm not happy. So I find it a digression on our performance at home last season, which I thought was better with without, you know, I, mean, I know we've got a lot of players out, but I still, I think we should have played better. And it's at home. Losing 2-0 at home, I don't think it's acceptable for a club at this, this level, in my opinion. Just don't care who it's against. No, I agree. I completely agree. And you, you'd expect us to dominate possession. You'd expect us to dominate chances. And again, we just we don't seem to have an idea of of what kind of football we want to play. And I know it's early. I know there's no preseason. I know we've got players out. So I'm going to give the benefit of doubt. But there are still some semblances of last season coming into my head. I still don't know the way Frank wants to play. I still don't know what the identity of this team is. I still don't know you know, how, what his thought process is. Um, you know, the whole Kai Havertz playing out of position two games in a row is kind of baffling to me when you've got, like Marv said, you've got Cho right there. And I understand some of the fan base may not think he's ready. And I know some think he's more than ready. So throw him in. Um, you know, I just don't get the substitutions again, like Marv just said. Um, but yeah, we'll, you know, we'll get into it a little bit more deep. I, I'm going to start with, just quick player ratings. You know, last time we did this, we went on for like way too long. Um, so let's just give, we're going to start obviously with Kepa and then work our way up. We're going to give player ratings. If anyone has a take and has wants to chime in, by all means, feel free. But I'll start with Corey. We'll start with Kepa. Player rating? Uh, a zero or a one, honestly, at this point. Uh, he, I, he doesn't spark anything for me. He's just abysmal everywhere he plays. It's just awful. Yeah, okay. Um, and then we'll go with we'll go with Mike Knight. Two. <laughs> At least he tried. <laughs> At least he tried. Ah, <laughs> shit. Um, Andrew? Yeah, uh, between a one or a two. Uh, everyone's shouts in defending Kepa, the biggest case that anyone could make was, well, sorry, asked for a goalkeeper that could play out of the back. And uh, I saw a a video of Bobby Firmino waving at Sadio Mane, telegraphing him to cut that pass out and kept a pastor right there. So 
No, I, um, I genuinely hope that uh, Mendy plays against West Brom and that Willie Caballero plays against uh, against Barnsley. Yeah, for those who don't know, like Lampard just said today that Mendy's basically done medical in the works, going to have some COVID testing on Thursday, and then he should be announced shortly. So, And I'm sure Lampard cannot absolutely fucking wait to throw him into the deep end and just get him in. Uh, so, Tomov, Kepa. Um, surprisingly... I'm going to say four, slightly higher oh, than... You know, no, no, what? I need an explanation for that. I'll give you my reasoning for saying four. I still think he was the second or the second worst player on the pitch. But um, I would say towards the end of the game, and, and I got brought up, I don't know who to shout out. There's some guy I talked to on Twitter that I almost never agree with. I think he's called Chelseaista or something like that. Oh, yeah, Chelsea. Right, so right. if he listens to the pod, he'll see that I'll kind of take his point on board. That or it was him or another person, but Kepa made two really good saves at the end. It's just it was too late. But if those saves would have made it 4-0. Um, so I'm going to put him up to four, even though it's below average. Um, that being said, that pass to Mane should be the end of his career here. And if it, the only way ever plays again is to raise that price tag because he's not good enough at all for this club. And he never was. Um, and as, uh, people can come back to the penalty saves that saved his career early on or whatever. But he was letting those stupid goals in all last season as well. But people seem to want to ignore it. Uh, sorry, the season before. He, he let that goal in against Sturridge, which cost us a win against Liverpool. And I don't care. Yeah. He should save it. He should save it. I'm not having that. No one can stop it. Bollocks. Shut the fuck up. Um, you should save long shots. And, and especially ones that are so far away. I remember the same Courtois and Charlie Adam all those seasons ago. And, and why wasn't he aware? got to be aware as a goalkeeper what you're doing is standing off your line for no reason and uh, it's just it was just unbelievable that pass to Mane ended the game um he did almost save Crittens at a red card when he come out and won the ball but I mean come on that early run out as well at the beginning of the game he came out into no man's land and got beaten that should have been one nil then I mean what is he doing this is a professional goalkeeper I mean come on yeah 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 that right for me, for me, he gets a one, just yeah. for showing up. Um, you know, uh, I can't defend this guy. I've tried defending him. I've tried giving him second chances, but it's uh, is in the twenty years plus watching Chelsea since the nineties. I can honestly say he's the worst keeper I've ever seen he wear is. the shirt. Um, is. absolutely. Dimitri Karin um, was better. Yeah, and that's saying something, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Reese James. Uh, for me, he wasn't bad. He wasn't great. I'm going to give him a five. Um, some, some people may disagree, but I'd love to get your take. So, Marv, you can continue. Yeah, I'm actually exactly the same as you. Five. I don't think it was a particularly good game from him. Um, some people were saying he did play well, uh, mainly the other side of the coin, uh, our friend there. Um, he said he'd had a good game, but not for me. And he also cost us the first goal. Um, his tracking of Mane was abysmal. Uh, and whilst I really like Reese, he, he always has, he always plays well for us. But we've got to criticise every player at the same level. And it seems like academy guys can get less criticism, and maybe because they're younger or they're part of future, or whatever. And I love Reese. I think he's one of my favourite players at the club. But a five, five. Yeah, fair take, Andrew. Yeah, I, I would say a four. I I, I agree with Marv. We we should not. Uh, forego the fact that he was at fault for marking Mane's header, which was a, a phenomenal header, but he, he should have had no business being unmarked or unsettled um, taking that header. And 
in my eyes, that's a continuation of twice in the Brighton game. Reese had yeah. let Lewis dunk and, and someone else blatantly open back post in a very dangerous position. I don't think he offered too much going offensively. Uh, that was always going to be the case against Liverpool, like we were talking about. We we don't expect much meaningful offensive possession or at least, you know, at a, a methodical slow pace. And what what frustrated me about Reese was, look, it, it's not Trent Alexander-Arnold, but Andrew Robertson, he was very tepid about marking Robertson close. And there were a couple of crosses that Robertson was able to put in where he was afforded maybe three or four seconds and five yards of distance to measure this cross. And and I know that Robertson can put those in. Uh, so right. I, I would say a four. I thought he was serviceable, uh, but he did not offer much to the game. I, th- I think it was a forgettable performance in my eyes. Yeah, fair enough. I agree too. Mike? Yeah, I, I, I think a five is is about where I'm at with him. Uh, it looked like Mane was just eating his lunch uh, for the better part of that game, um, specifically. And I mean, we've all you guys have already touched on it, but that that header, um, absolutely, Andrew. He, you've got to do a better job of at least letting him know that you're there, at the very minimum. And, and yeah. he didn't. I mean, he just didn't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm not quite sure what he was thinking or what he was doing besides watching the ball go in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, we expect more from Reese because he is, he is becoming more or less that, that, that guy on the right side that we can depend on to do a little bit of both as far as, you know, helping out on the attack, but also being able to defend. And he was, he was really sort of invisible. Yeah. He seems to be, I, I, I hate the word suspect, but he seems to be a little sus defensively at this moment in, of his career, but I'm hoping he can he can get that sorted. Uh, Corey? Um, yes, yeah, I'm going to go with a five. Um, I think we've, Marv and Andrew touched on the defensive side. Um, I'm going to touch on a little bit of the offensive side. I mean, he did pretty well in the spaces that he did get up and get a little bit forward. He put in some de- decent crosses. I'm not going to lie to uh, to Havertz, I think a couple, maybe one, and then he had a couple of decent other balls. I, I think on the offensive side, um, he might be the best we have on that side until I guess Chilwell, until we see how Chilwell um, plays with with Chelsea. But I think for, on the offensive side, he did do pretty well. I think um, he, he's got a wonderful right cross. I'm sorry, but I mean, the whip he gets on those, even when you see him do take corners, it, which is nice to see him take corners, by the way. Um, he's got some serious whip on those and to see someone like maybe Zuma or Thiago Silva get on the end of those in the box. He, you know what I mean? But on the offensive side, I think he did pretty well defensively. Like you said, he's super suspect. I, I, I don't like how he defends awfully. He, he just seems like he just doesn't care. Like when he's defending, he's just like, if I get a tackle and I get a tackle and if I don't, I don't. So um, he got dribbled past a lot by Mane, which is kind of scary, but We'll see how he progresses through the, throughout the season and to see if it's more of a worry. But, well, you know, a five for me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next is Christensen. And before I ask you, Corey, I want, I want to know, do you think Christian is actually good enough for this team? And the, the question is going to apply for everyone. You know, because during this game, you know, we actually thought that he was doing all right at the beginning. And then he had that brain-dead moment. So, you know, is this... Is this just exactly what you expect from him? You know, some some moments of quality, but constant lapses of concentration here and there. You know, for me, he's just not good enough. 
you know, he's incredibly inconsistent and I'm kind of over the whole potential. Let's see what he can come, become and, you know, see if he can reach those heights that we wanted to get. Because you look at Zuma and you don't really see those mistakes that Christian makes all the time. So, and they're similar ages. So, give me a rating and answer that question for me. Yeah, um, he gets, I'll give, I'll be lenient, I'll give him a three. Um, the red card drew out, the, like, just blew out the game for us. I mean, it was, that game was on him, realistically, you know what I mean? Um, like, I forget who said it, but honestly, you should have just let Mane score. At least we would have been a level in players. I think it was Marv. But um, to answer your question, I personally don't think he's good enough. Um, if he was okay sitting on the bench and just rotting there, that'd be fine with me. Um, if we sell him for good money, we sell him for good money. I just think he's so clueless sometimes. I think when he plays, I think like he – I, I, he's a great passer of the ball. I, I, and I give him that. I know he wasn't Chelsea's best passer of the ball last year, but he, he seems like he's pretty uh, calm on the ball when it's a team that doesn't press well. Um, someone like, you know, Burnley, for example, or someone who just doesn't really press that often. I think he can pass the ball out pretty well, but I think with teams like Liverpool, they just come right at him. They know he's the ultimate weakness in the back four. And if they can get to him and they just they can frustrate him with pace or something, he's he's done. Like he saw in the game, Mane just just drifted right by him, no big deal. So I think he's for me, like I've said before, I think he should be he should have been sold. I think he's the center back out um over Rudiger. I think Christian would be out for me. So uh to answer your question, he's absolutely yeah. shit. I think Kamal's uh, muted himself. Yeah. <laughs> um oh, sorry about that. Go ahead, go ahead, Mark. Uh, but yeah, no, I totally agree, especially with the thing that you said at the end. Um, I mean, I don't want to get into being labelled a Rudiger fanboy or whatever, but he makes mistakes just like the other players do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, for me, I think it's absolutely... Stu- I don't understand how people cannot see how much better he is than Christensen. And even if he's not good enough for the club, as some people say, there's no way that Christensen is. And I... I, I kind of down on this one with your grade, which was a three. I've given Andreas Christensen a two yeah. and by far the worst player on the pitch. And, mm-hmm. and he is every time he plays. Um, whilst, yeah, he started so well, a few good headers out, nice ball out wide. He hit some nice balls, saved Kepa's ass. And I thought, okay, fair enough. You know, yeah, well done to him. Good start. And let's hope he keeps it going because he played quite well in the, the opening game against Brighton, right? So credit where it's due, we have to give that. Um, but it's the same as last season. One game against City and a whole of Twitter are like, oh my God, yeah, he's got to start next to Zuma now. That's it. Um, whenever Rudiger has a game like that, it's, yeah, well, it's just one game. You know, uh, even it's, it's so clear the agendas that exist. And, and we've got to focus on this, you know, him getting sent off lost us the game. And that was an yeah. important game. Um, he is not good enough for Chelsea. He, he's, he's got passing, which doesn't really pull up any trees for us. He's never played any key passes that make goals. He cannot head the ball offensively. Um, there's almost nothing worth keeping there. If he was not academy, how long would he have lasted here? He would have lasted the same amount of time as Papi Gilabogi, who, by <laughs> the way, is probably, who is probably better than Christensen. Um, <laughs> I'm so over this this player, and I don't want to make it seem like an agenda because I always talk about how much I think he's a bad player. But it's not that I don't like him because he, you know, who he is or whatever. I want every player to do well. If he plays well, I'm going to be like, well done, good, let's keep it going. But he, he doesn't. He plays well once or twice, 
like I, I always accuse Marshall at Man United, plays turns up twice a season, and, mo- and they're both for Chelsea. Um, he just isn't good enough for this team, and, and I really I was shocked to see him in the starting lineup twice in a row from Frank. And it's one of the few times I've really kind of doubted what we're doing. Like you said at the beginning, what we're we doing because he doesn't offer leadership, he doesn't offer co- commanding of his areas, his defense. All he can do is play it out, and, and even that he makes mistakes with sometimes. Um, I think we're gonna. I'd like to see him phased out. Thiago Silva coming in, Zuma next to him. Even Tomori came on and looked better than him inside one minute. So, yeah, for me, two and very bad. Out as soon as possible. Yeah, sure. No, I appreciate that. And uh, make a move. Hello? Well, I think you played well. Mike, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll come to Andrew, and then maybe we can go to my name. Yeah, um, first and foremost, Christensen is is not sufficient as a center back in in this in this side. If if we want to anticipate finishing in the top two or three within ten points of the title, we we do not we we can't afford opportunities for this person. I would say the way that I frame. Christensen is kind of like what Marv alluded to on the tail end of that is is Fakayo Tamori's second half cameo. Uh, Christensen is by no stretch a young prospect. You know, last season Tamori was was dropped a little bit unceremoniously. I I still to this day don't really understand if it was an injury, if it was something that made him out of favor, and and I don't want to speculate because there's enough of that around Hudson Adoy. Uh, but Christensen isn't a young budding prospect. There are younger center backs a dime a dozen in Europe that are more promising and already more poised than he is, and there are almost geriatric center backs like Thiago Silva, who are also far more capable than Christensen. Uh, I would say that Fakai, uh, the, the most promising part of this match was Fakai Otomori giving Frank a little bit of a dilemma in terms of center back depth. But you look at a side like Liverpool and you say, okay, you know what? They have Joe Gomez and they have Virgil van Dijk as nailed on center back pairing. That is their go-to. In a pinch, they can deploy Joel Matip. He's a very serviceable center back, tall. He's not as as mistake-grown as as Christensen is. And we we saw Fabinho for the first time play center back uh, in in this match. With the number and the volume of center backs that we have, uh, I agree with Marv. Rudiger is a... He, he is absolutely clear of Christensen. Uh, in, in terms of individual errors, I can't remember the last time that Rudiger received a red card, if ever, for Chelsea that, that really set the tone of a match. So, no, I, I don't think that Christensen is uh, sufficient for us. I would say a three rounding up, and that is because he did save Kepa with that, um, with that cutting out that cross from Mo Salah when Kepa came off his line. Uh, but no, he he has no business being at the club, and I think that there are thirty-six-year-old center backs, and I think that there are eighteen-year-old center backs out here in Europe that are substantially more consistent and already show more poise than him. That's a great take. 
great take. I love that. Back in Mike, you back? Yeah, man. Um, huh. It's a it's a two. Um, and yeah, the red card is definitely what killed this game. So you know, he basically just washed. He pissed away everything that he did up until that point. Um, that was good. And yeah, he, no, absolutely not. He's not good for this team. Um, I'd argue that Rudiger is good for this team as well. But yeah, 100%, Rudiger is clear of, of Christensen. And if anybody thinks otherwise, um, you know, I, I, I really want what they're smoking. I, I really do. Um, because it, it seems like they're on a, a hell of a ride right now. Because there's no way in hell that that guy is, is, is good enough for Chelsea or good enough for, for any top four club in any, any major, in any major league for that matter. Um, and he just, yeah, he needs to go somewhere, hopefully fast. And I, uh, you know, and best of luck to him in his future endeavors. Here's the crazy thing. It seems like Rudiger is the one being phased out and Christensen's like the one they have faith in. And I don't understand why. I think yeah. it could be an age thing. Um, but I'm sorry. I don't know who was that. Oh. Was? That was me, um, obviously being part of the, the Rudiger fan club, as it were. Um, but yeah, it does, it does seem that way, though, that he's been kind of phased out instead of AC. And, and I could understand if they were like trying to phase him out because Zuma had been playing really well lately or whatever. But for me, that's a surprise, especially like because of the connection he could have with Werner and Harvard. So I was saying Christian Eriksen ain't coming to this club. So I don't really see what Christensen is really adding here, apart from taking up an academy slot. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I, the fan base is, again, the fan, but Chelsea Twitter is so fucking split down the middle on every single player. But just, anyway. Just need to watch, watch the games and without bias. You can, I mean, it's easy to do um, if you watch like some of the games of, of some of these players. I mean, how can anyone see this foul by Christensen and think he's still good enough for the club? It's not a mistake. It's horrendous defending. Right, and he seems to have a brain-dead moment every other game. And yeah. He's, you know, since, and I hate to bring this up, it's, it seems to be that Barcelona game has, I know, I know, Marv, you think that's not his fault entirely. But yeah. since that game, his just career has taken a downwards trajectory completely. It has, it has. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that pass, that, I mean, see, that mistake, and that goes back to say, uh, there isn't really an agenda that I have because I didn't blame him for that. I thought Aspilicueta sliding in randomly straight after gave away the space that could just slide Messi in. If he'd have held off, we'd have still been two on two. Um, but yeah, I do think that killed his career at Chelsea. After that, he was even worse. I mean, he had a couple of nice games at the beginning under Conte, but he was protected. There were like two other defenders alongside him and, you know, wingbacks too, um, in a very defensive, apparently, system. Um, but yeah, that's another thing. I, I just don't get it. I, I really don't get this, uh, this, this kind of Christensen loving. Um, I just don't understand it at all. Yeah, no doubt. That's enough on Chris. Um, so let's, let's speed this up a little bit. Let's go on to Zuma. I'm going to give him a six. You know, it wasn't terrible, again, but wasn't great at the same time. Actually, you know, a 6.5. Best defender for me. So I'll go, I'll go Marvnik. Well, I've gone five on this one. Um, you can see my overall ratings. He was the highest rated centre-back for me in the game and the second highest rated defender in that game yesterday. Um, I think I said a five because he did get caught flat a couple of times where Liverpool should have scored. There was a few through balls where he was just ball watching. And again, I'm coming the, the mistake that Christensen made, he was part of it because he also wasn't alert. So as a partnership, 
you know, you got to, they kind of both fell on their sword a bit. Where he made up his ground, though, his blocking, I don't know if it's a block that he made at one point to stop the goal, his heading in the air, aerial was fantastic. Um, in general, in terms of his flat-out defending, I was fairly pleased with him. Um, and a guy that I wanted sold previously that really always surprised me since coming back uh, here last season. And, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty happy-ish with him, but we let him, you know, two goals and so that's why I've given him a five on on this occasion but yeah he was fine yeah absolutely fair Andrew yeah five I'll I'll keep it brief again like Brighton it was a a quiet performance I I don't think he was faultless I don't think that he specifically contributed to a goal Um, but Marv's right as a as a back line and as a center back pairing specifically um, when you look at how they played Mane on side and the communication between Christensen, Zuma, and Keppa. It was poor, but he was phenomenal cutting out uh, a few Mo Salah crosses in, in a very dangerous area. And uh, he didn't just lob it down into the middle of the box. He, he cleared it pretty comfortably. Uh, so, yeah, I would say five reasonably. Yeah, no doubt. On top of that, Zuma's probably got the most insane leap on him. Like, he can jump. He, he's mm-hmm. got some legs on him, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Mike, Six. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was the best um, out of the out of that whole back four, back five, whatever. Um, hands down, I thought he did the best job. And and yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some there are some things that he you know that he he does that you see it in. I, I would say you see it in almost every game where he definitely has those defensive lapses. But I, I think they're less obvious because more often than not they don't lead to goals. So um, yeah, I mean he. He does. He does a. He does a couple of things pretty well. One of them being, you know, certainly aerial duels for that matter, and, and being able to just out jump everybody in the box. Um, so I, I think that's going to definitely come in handy, um, and it should sort of also lend itself to us being able to avoid those set piece woes as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought he. I thought out of the the back five, he was, head, you know, head head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, absolutely was. Uh, Corey? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give him a six, but everyone already said what I was going to say, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep it short. Yeah, sweet. Uh, and you can go next with Marcus Alonso. Uh, yeah, uh, a four. I I mean, honestly, he was – he's just there. Um, yeah, true. He doesn't, just he doesn't, yeah, he just takes up space. Honestly, he doesn't really do anything for me. I'm going to try to keep it short. Um. I just feel like every time he gets in an advanced position, he passes the ball backwards rather than more forwards. Um, that's a thing for me. I, you never see him use his right foot. I know he's predominantly left-footed, and I get that. But um, and, and sometimes in spaces where it's two defenders or two people next to him, he just seems to pass the ball back to his left where he could easily find the space to create to pass up the right. And he just doesn't do that, especially with someone like um, Mateo Kovacic, who is, you know, a fantastic dribbler of the ball who can create and get out of tight spaces. seems like Alonso just doesn't do that. Um, so a four and he just there, he's just there. Yeah. Four for me as well. Mike. Yeah. I, I think four is, is where I would put him as well. Um, just to keep it brief there. Yeah. He's pretty much just a guy. <laughs> so, Asher. Yeah, no, I'm so indifferent to Marcus Alonso. I forgot that he was on the pitch, honestly. And uh, to be fair, the one credence that I will give him is that he looked more comfortable against Trent Alexander-Arnold than he did against Tariq Lamptey. 
And that is probably more of an indictment on Trent than it is on on Alonzo. But yeah, poor, forgettable. Yeah, true. And, and, and Lamptey has gone. He's a burner as well. He's probably just as fast as Alfonso David. Um, we'll go, Mike. Oh, sorry, Mark. Sorry. Three things we wish were true in life, you know, uh, low taxes, living longer, and that Tarek Lamptey was a left back. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, interesting. I've got a very indifferent opinion to this. 4 4, and he was just there. Not for me. Uh, for me, and, and, and he's another polarizing figure because I think against Brighton, he was the worst player on the pitch. And in this case, I thought he was good. Um, and I've, I'm giving him a six. Um, and the okay. reason I think, okay, his offensive work wasn't good. I mean, he literally just played it out of danger wherever he could. And often that broke up moves. Um, but actually, in his, in his one-on-one battle, he rarely lost it. I mean, and like you said, yeah, he got absolutely twisted and destroyed by Tarek Lamptey in the Brighton game. I didn't see that in this game. I mean, for me, he was solid. Um, he was in the right place often. Defensively, for me, was was okay. I definitely don't have anything against Alonso's performance in this game. And I think if he could kind of... I mean, with him, you just know the technical ability isn't there, right? I mean, it's, it's with him, he has to... When he attacks, he's better, I think. But, you know, the one-on-one is, is not always good. He's maybe a little bit on the slower side. But for me, he's always been a player that... Well, if we're comparing, you know, with, with AC, I think Alonso is good enough to play here. But is he good enough to be a starter at the club? I'm not sure that's the case now. Yeah, no, with Chilwell coming in, we just it's just not going to happen, is it? Um, and you can continue, my friend. You can go on to Jorginho next. Well, uh, Jorginho, I've given a four, one of the other lower ratings of the game. But he's not the only person I've given a four. I gave AC a two, Kepa, I think Kepa a four as well, didn't I? Um, Jorginho four, just because I mean I actually do like the player, and and I'm not getting into those kind of Twitter arguments about J five. No, it's just too much. <laughs> I mean, for me, he's okay. I like his passion. I like his attitude, but he was really, really bad. And especially the one on one situations were really weak. Um, there's that now that's going to be made forever gif where he gets spun and fell over and rolled on the floor. Um, that was not good. <laughs> Penalty that he missed, okay, yeah, he scores most of them, but that was probably one of the more important ones. We'd have been back in the game with that, um, which you can't really blame too much for that, but that actually also took us completely out of the game. So that's obviously taken another point down. But yeah, four for me, unimaginative, kind of invisible, not really good enough in the team. Yeah, four for me as well. And we do have a Twitter question on, on Jorginho later, so we'll get into him a bit more in depth. Uh, but yeah, four for me. Can't really hate him. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, it, you know, it frustrates me that Jorginho is probably one of the most divisive players at Chelsea in terms of there's this zealousness um, from kind of the, the residual promise that we saw from him under Sari, and then people that like to look at him as a caricature for getting outrun by a referee, and both of his key moments in this match, like Marv was alluding to, right, getting absolutely twisted by Robbo and then missing the penalty. You know, those are outlier moments for him. Uh, It frustrates me because I'm fucking indifferent to Jorginho, and I wish I had a stronger opinion because I would love to just get into it with someone on Twitter. I, I feel like I'm so out of place in those arguments. Okay. I, uh, I'm such a proponent, proponent of running a 4-2-3-1 uh, with a yes. Kovacic-Kante pivot 
where one could make a case for Jorginho to slot in. Uh, I think Jorginho is redundant if we play Kai in his ideal position as an 8 or a 10. Uh, when you have a creative player more advanced, I think Jorginho sitting deeper as a creator in that pivot is is redundant. So, yeah, I just I, I wish I cared more about him. I just I, I like the guy. I just I genuinely don't give a shit. <laughs> Straight up. Okay, fair enough. I love that. Oh, that's complete honest truth. That's what we like him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it brief as well. It's a four. Um, missing the penalty, um, getting spun around, was practically invisible with the exception of those two plays right there. I mean, yeah, but you know, going into him, you know, the player himself, I, I'm, I mean, I'm with Andrew here. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit indifferent. I want him to do well. I want him to succeed, but I just don't know where he fits. Um, if, if in fact we'd go with a four, four, two, three, one with the, with the pivot with Kova and Conte. Yep. Straight And, uh, Cor? Uh, yeah, a four. Um, everyone already stole what I was going to say. I said in our group chat, I think that the only reason why he is actually starting, um, is because he's vice captain. Um, I don't, for me, like we mentioned, like at this point we should start, we can start questioning what. Lampard's tactics are, and I don't understand um, the tactics with playing the three midfielders that, like I've said before, if Sari was playing this midfield, he got slated for it for playing N'Golo on the right side midfield, and Sari got criticized every day for it, and we're not criticizing Lampard for doing the same the same thing. Um, so, no offense to Georgina, I think that's the only reason why he's playing. Um, so, a four, he didn't really do all too much during the game, I don't think. I can't remember anything specifically off the top of my head, other than the missing the penalty and then getting spun. That's really about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting spun is just going to be embedded in my mind for a while now. Um, you can continue with Conte, my friend. Um, yeah, I think he's one of the higher-rated players. Um, I'd probably give him a 6.57 um, and different about it a little bit. I think his performance was, was pretty was okay for his standards. I think um, he had he had some tackles. He played well. I think one of the memorizing moments. I think I ha- remember in the game. He's, he uh, he dribbled out of space pretty well uh, a couple of times. He looked actually like he was going to get forward. I want to also mention. I don't understand what the fuck he was doing standing in the box where he could have at least shot the ball and he just passed oh, yeah. it backwards. I'm I I don't understand. I, I get it. He's not supposed to be the playmaker, but in a situation like that, just shoot the ball. Shoot. You yeah. gotta shoot. I'm sorry, but no offense to him, but I know he doesn't score worldies every day. Um, and I know he can score a goal because we've seen him do it. Um, I just don't understand what what he was hesitating for. If someone can explain to me later down, that's that'd be fine. But for me, <laughs> six and a half, seven for me is fine. Yeah, I give him a six myself. Um, and yeah, he's got to shoot. I mean, I know, I know. He said you just said he doesn't score goals, but he scored against Liverpool last season, didn't he? Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's got a banger as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, like, just fucking let loose, man. Yeah. Um, Mike, context. Yeah, it's a six. Um, you know, the thing is, nope, not, nothing out there just st- stood out besides the fact that yeah, you've got to shoot the ball there, man. You absolutely do. There's no question about it. But outside of that, I mean, he, he played well defensively, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. there, there wasn't anything that I... I could really look at and go, oh my God, you know, he was way out of position here or, or whatever. But 
Um, we've come to expect that from him. I, and I always maintain that that guy is our shield in a lot of ways defensively. Um, he makes up for a lot of our deficiencies in a lot of cases. But um, in this game here, man, I, I'm not really going to harp on him too much. Uh, but, yeah, you've got to shoot the ball, man. You, you score there, and it's, it's a different game. It's a completely different game. Yeah, no, I said he had all the opportunity to do so, and for some reason, some reason he second guessed himself. Uh, but yeah, Andrew, Angola. Yeah, uh, uh, I think it's six is perfect. I one of the more controversial conversations for you know maybe a four month stint was Angola Conte is a better box to box midfielder, and he should not be a dedicated defensive midfielder sitting in the hole, sitting in that six role. Uh, I I believe that Angola Conte should. I think the most balance that N'Golo Kante should play is playing the defensive half of a 4-2-3-1 pivot with Mateo Kovacic. I think that Liverpool and and that move in particular was a a perfect testament to that. And and it's true. You know what? N'Golo Kante is absolutely world-class. And it shows not only the Liverpool goal last season, he scored twice against Manchester United, I believe, against De Gea both times. Um, and it, it was a similar goal, right? One of them was, you know, cutting it back um, and, and scoring. He, had, he excels at offensive traits more than other players. But I, I don't think he offers as much in transition to us. I think he can with poise, pick a a good 10-yard pass under pressure. Like, Kovacic can dribble out of pressure. I think that N'Golo Conte can get that pass uh, executed under pressure deep, you know, in front of our back line. I am a firm proponent of him being either a lone DM or the defensive half of a pivot. So I think a six is, is fine because he came up against two very tricky um wingers in Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, and he covered wide on a, on both of them a couple times. And I think he did well to cut out a lot of very silky Tiago passes in the second half as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you just said on Conte. You know, I, I, I personally like to see him in the 4-2-3-1 also. Um, like to see him defensive, like to see him, you know, don't go past the halfway line as, as often as he does. Unless it's to to break up play and something obvious, um, but yeah, uh, go Marv. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like he he likes chasing down players and winning the ball. When I saw him live the first time, and I think I've said this a few times now, one of the best I've ever seen. Um, he literally popped up in positions you didn't even know. Um, yeah, for me, I went five point five. Just judging him on his own standards, which I think he should have been a bit better. Um, he was okay though. I mean, but that that not shooting really annoyed me. Um, but then again, he's not really that kind of player, and he doesn't score that many goals. He scores against important teams quite often. But, I mean, yeah, for me, 5.5. He did his job, but he didn't influence the game enough for us to win. Okay. And you can continue as we snake it, so you can go to Kovacic next. Uh, Kovacic, for me, got a 5, dribbled out of pressure well, which I like. He's very aesthetic on the iron. I would say, yeah, the second best playing midfielder out of all of the midfield that played to by five. It doesn't. It looks harsher than it actually is. He was slightly a tiny bit worse than Kante, better than Jorginho and Harvard. Um, yeah, I mean, 
dribbled well, done some stuff, but didn't really influence the game enough for me either. So five. No, couldn't have said it better myself, Andrew. Yep. Reciprocate everything that Marv said. He's he's not the type of player to turn a game on its head, right? He is a very safe player and what impresses you is that he's not a liability in the fact that he can dribble 10 yards and you don't feel like he's a liability is, is the beauty of what he is. He slots into my ideal 11 when everyone's fit in that pivot. Uh, but his performance against Liverpool, he didn't affect the game one way or another. So five is a perfect uh, categorical rating for him in my eyes. Absolutely. And uh, Mike? Yeah, I think five. Um, he's, yeah, he's like Andrew said, he's a very safe player. Um, he does, yeah, he's one of the most press-resistant players I can think of. He dribbles so well. Um, but, yeah, doesn't really do much to influence the game. And in, in a game like this here, especially when we're down a man, um, I don't think there was really much that he could have done to, to, to actually influence the game. I mean, he certainly didn't hurt anything. Yeah, agreed. And Corey? Uh, yeah, five. Um, I also want to mention uh, he laid a beautiful through ball out to uh, Werner on that one break. Oh, that's true. Werner was going to score there, and he, I think he uh, took a terrible first touch. So, yeah, five for me. Everyone, you know, to what everybody's points, they made it all great. I have really not much to say when you're on the back end of these. Everyone makes your point, and you kind of sit here. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, as in everyone's absolutely spot on. I couldn't echo anything anything else on, on Kovacic. Yeah. Um, you can go Mason Mount next. Uh, I'm going to start. For me, he gets a three. He didn't do jack shit. So go ahead. Yeah, um, I'm, I would be a little bit more. I'm probably going to get a four, four and a half here. Um, I want to keep this brief because uh, the fan base is split right down the middle on this guy. Uh, you either like him or you don't like him. Um, there's games for me where I think he's absolutely amazing. There's games where I think he's absolutely shit, like you just said. Um, this game... Not another game for Mason Mount to play on the wings. I'm sorry, I don't understand the, the tactics as well here. Um, I, I I can't say much else other than that. Okay, sure. And Mike? Yeah, I, a three, yeah, that's... that's Ah, man, all right. Yeah, three is fine. I, I think with with him, he, I, was, I was really kind of going back and forth. I was him and on about a three or four. Uh, but yeah, three... Uh, better than AC, better than Kappa, in my opinion, um, in terms of what they, in terms of what they offered for this game. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't understand why he plays on the wing, um, and I don't understand why Frank insists on him playing on the wing. But you know, here we are. Um, so I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's pretty much. Um, I, I, in fact, I, I like the player a lot. I like the player a lot. I think he's, he's a guy that he has a good attitude. A solid guy. I can see some of the things that Frank likes in him, but he's he's not a winger, and we need to stop doing that. It's like fitting a it's like fitting a a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, I mean, your last couple of words just said it spot for me. I love Mason. Man. I fucking love him, but he can't he can't be playing as a wingman. I'm sorry, he just can't. Andrew. Yeah, I I don't know. Um... He's been played out of position so consistently, even since the restart last season. I I genuinely fucking forget what his natural role is, what, what he played at Derby under Frank. Um, I will say, 
and and this is probably against the grain uh, with a lot of opinions. I did not mind, and I know this was a, a controversial juncture of the game. I did not mind that Kai Havertz was hooked to replace um, to replace Christensen with with Fakai Tamori. I do think that if there is one scenario where Mason Mount's going to excel, it is going to be at least giving a presence with 10 men uh, off the ball. So and his engine and all that kind of shit. Exactly. Like exactly. Purely based on, on stamina and, and kind of a intelligent concerted press. Um, But yeah, I just, it is, it is just getting, getting frustrating. And I, I do not misplace any frustration around other selections with Mason Mount. I I agree with you, Kamal. I I think he's a lovely, lovely person, lovely attitude, and I think he has a lot of skills in his in his toolbox. But man, I I just I can't take another wide Mason Mount deployment again. Yep, spot on, Mouth? Yeah, I mean for me four. Uh, slightly higher than you guys, but again, not good enough. Uh, didn't do anything in the game. Um, I mean, he tries, but yeah, playing him on the wing, I feel like it's redundant. Um, and it's quite annoying. I mean, even though I was, I'm not a huge advocate for, for, for Cho, I mean, surely, and again, coming back to it again, couldn't they have just put an actual winger in there? I mean, right. surely, even if he's bad and he's, he's going to leave, if he plays well, that's going to attract suitors as well. So I really, I really didn't get this this selection uh, again not playing any wingers and i have to say the the previous take about hooking harvards i really am on board with that i think that was i think it was actually a, i mean i would have preferred to hook Jorginho rather than harvards but in that case i think keeping mount on for the press and for what he brings to the game i think that probably was a good decision but playing him on the wing was definitely not uh, for me yeah four for mount this in this game wasn't good enough yeah, I, you know, with some context, you guys have actually changed my mind. I was actually extremely pissed at the moment, in the moment, sorry, when Harvard got taken off. But now, using context and looking at it, like the way you've just broken it down for me, it makes a lot more sense. You know, Havertz has only just been here for like a week or whatever it was. He's not up to full fitness, playing in for the full 90 minutes. Probably didn't make sense. That makes a lot. So I appreciate you guys for that. Um, let's get on to, let's go to Havertz next. So, Marv, give me your rating for Havertz. Um, on for four, um, both games I've not been, I mean, yeah, I'm not annoyed because he's new and he's got to get used to it and all that stuff. But for the money we paid, and I kept saying so many times, not worth 60 minutes, not worth, I mean, we paid fairly good price in the end if it works out, but, um, and obviously that's high in time and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, wasn't good. I mean, played one or two nice passes, but needs to get in the game more. And I hope this isn't going to be a constant thing. He wasn't even in the game. Um, and this is a big game, right? We, this is why we pay big money for these kind of superstar youngsters, apparently. Um, I mean, one or two passes a game is not enough. So, yeah, for me, I've gone four and a, very, a concerning question mark because, you know, and, and I don't want to make comparisons to players that are old, but James has looked absolutely incredible in the two games he's played. Um, Donny van der Beek scored in 10 minutes of him playing. I know he lost three. That was a fluke goal. It was a fluke goal. It was a complete fluke, of course. I, d- I don't think <laughs> it's going to be better than Harvard's, but they're just uh, examples, right? Um, you know, none of our new guys have yet scored, whereas all, a lot of the other people have. So, uh, you know, we're not at concern stage yet. Uh, but and, and it's obviously only two games, I mean, perspective. But yeah, I wasn't overly happy with the 
what he did when he was on needs to be does need to be better. Yeah, no doubt. I can I can see why you're a little skeptical. Uh, skeptical is probably not the right word, but I can see why you're a little got that question mark. But you know, I can I can show you he's 21. You know, young, lots right. of time, lots of time ahead of him, and yeah. he's only been here for a week. So yeah, two games, only two games. Exactly. So Andrew, continue with Kai for me, please. Yeah, you know, I, I it, it's difficult for me to grade Kai Havertz being, you know, like, like we've hammered home. This is the second position that I don't believe that he fits into naturally. I, I am a proponent of him as a solitary 10 or as an 8, whether or not that's, you know, two 8s behind a, a front set or not. I... It's a disservice to Kai every time that he's played out of position. I do believe that if Kai plays against Barnsley, he's going to get his first goal. And I do believe that if one of Hakeem Ziyech or Christian Pulisic is fit for West Brom, that they will use hudson Adoy on the other wing. And we will actually try to deploy a real formation in that match. And I think that he's going to uh, come true there. Um, but yeah, it, it is just very difficult to give a rating to a player like that. I think that I, I don't think that he's underwhelming. I, I think that Frank, unfortunately, and look, I, I will criticize him for this. How, how can you gauge a player who's been training for 10 days now and played in two different positions that he's not comfortable with? So right. uh, I would say a 4.5 or a 5, but that's just a objective, calculated kind of thing. No, I appreciate that. And like you said, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's only been here for like 10 days, like you said. Um, yeah. Mikey, Mike? I'm going to give him an incomplete. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I, I, I think a, a 4.55 is, is fair. Uh, he had a couple of good balls, uh, but yeah, we we saw him for what a half in this game, and that was it. So, and 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 like Andrew said, in he's already come out and said he's most comfortable playing in like that in the ten role. Um, and here we are sticking this guy all over the place, any which where, but the that but that area, man. So it it, it to me. Um, hopefully we get to see that on um, against West Brom, but who cares? I mean, at this point, um, it's two games. He's yeah, he hasn't really been training with the team here. I'm not, I'm not going to be critical on this guy here. But yeah, five, I think is fair for him. Kamal, if you don't mind me saying, I Please. I would say you know you, you bring up Vandebeek and you you bring up Hamas. Both of those sides between United and Everton have gone out of their way to accommodate both of those players in their primary role, which which is frustrating to see as a Chelsea supporter, right? Kai Havertz, he's not the signing that I'm most excited to see, but I do believe that he is probably the highest ceiling of any of our new signings. So to to witness United and Everton accommodate these players instantaneously of of course Hamas is an absolute brilliant player and I, as much of an agenda as I have against Manchester United Van de Beek is also a phenomenal player but the reason that they were performing so well in the cup game today even the anomalous goal in the Crystal Palace loss might I emphasize 
is because they were played in a capacity that they are comfortable with. So, yeah, that that is my only issue with that kind of equivalence right there. That is what you expect, though, right? Players to play in their positions mm-hmm. that they should be in, right? And that, yeah, that's and average is the most expensive of the three as well. Not that that should be the metric that dictates, you know, where they slot in, but yeah. But the price does count. I mean, you know, we have to say, because we, we grade people like Harry Maguire, who I think is actually, honestly, the worst signing in history of the Premier League. Um, the million and he's done nothing. They've gone from like they've gone up two positions and they've won nothing. And uh, I do agree. They go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think we need to see Harvards play in that position. We were told all this stuff about the versatility, but versatility I'm, for me is when people can be competent in each other positions. I don't think he is a competent wide player, and um, or maybe as a centre forward possibly, but I think he needs to be in his position. So I do agree. I think that um, comparison was very good there that you made because, yeah, they did, Everton have obviously accommodated Hammers. They've looked for a hole and they filled that hole. And I feel that maybe we've looked at multiple holes and we've put them in wrong holes for some reason. And let's not forget that Carlo Ancelotti knows Hammers inside out. He had him in Real Madrid, had him in Bayern Munich. He knows him. So that that, that helps. Yeah, true. Um, So Timo Werner next. Oh, Corey, sorry, I didn't come, did I come to you for habit? Nope. Go ahead, man. Sorry. <laughs> nah, you're good. Uh, I'm with... Uh, I want to say an incomplete, but if I had to give him a rating, I'd give him a four. Um, I, I feel bad for him. Um, I know that he's being played out of position, like we've all said. Um, I, he's, a gr- he's a brilliant player. You can see it. You can see it when he's on the ball, and he he makes those little tiny passes. Make look, they look so effortless. You know what I mean? Like you know, he's trying to do. He's trying, and I feel bad for him that he's being played as a striker against Virgil Van Dijk and Fabinho, or Virgil, you know, as one of the best center backs on planet Earth at the moment. Um, he, I mean, he had a tough task. I mean, you had to ask, you know, what you could from him. So incomplete. And if I had to give him a grade, it'd be a four. Um, that's where I'm at. Sure, and you can go to Timo Werner next. Yeah, Timo Werner, probably the best player on the pitch um, on our side. Uh, he, you can see the effort, man. He puts in a shift for you know two games, ninety minutes. You know, um, he he works tirelessly. You can tell. I mean, he's running everywhere. He is so so quick, and it's it's nice to see him finally play on the wing too, because you can see the ability he has. Um, during the game, I think we, me and you had mentioned that you mentioned that he should have scored in our group chat, even if he was offsides, he still should have scored. Um, I disagreed a little bit because it didn't matter, but I think now looking back at it, he probably should have scored that. Kind of scares me a little bit, but he is so good. I, I'm sorry, he is so good. You can see the talent he is. Um, I'd give him a seven, um, highest on the pitch. He's so good. I, I'm so happy that he's here, honestly. Yeah, no, and I, the reason I, w- I wanted him to score so badly just because it was against Liverpool and just to shove it in their face. Uh, but yeah, seven for me too. Um, Mike? Yeah, seven. Uh, best player on the pitch. Uh, the dude is too damn fast. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I've, been, I've been in love with that guy since, you know, since he came into Chelsea, man. I'm just really happy. I really like that dude. Happy <laughs> <laughs> good to hear that today. <laughs> Andrew? Yeah, no, uh, same same with Mike and Corey. A, a seven, he was the best player on the pitch. He definitely dictated the tone of, I, I think, any level of hope or aspiration that we had 
uh, of scoring a goal throughout the match was was dictated by Timo Werner. I was a little bit frustrated that he seemingly overcomplicated a couple of one-on-ones where he was in a threatening area one-on-one with Fabinho. You know, he tried these kind of quirky stepovers, and uh, that that seems so very uncharacteristic to me, especially compared to how he played for Leipzig. He was very direct. Uh, agreed, the offsides chance. Uh, I'm a little bit less forgiving than Corey in that that the angle and the the deviation of how wide he hit that shot was a little bit unsettling to me. I I hope that that was because he gave up on the play a little bit and it was kind of like a listless, I know the whistle's going to go type of thing. But it was a little unsettling. But man, the the mentality and again, I have to say, the space that he opens up, you don't realize how pacey he is when you're watching it from that, especially in a, a stadium like Anfield or no, well, I guess Stamford Bridge. Um, when you're in that high capacity stadium, you don't really realize how the the velocity that he's moving at. But boy, it's been a long time since I've seen someone look so effortlessly beat that fullback and and get into those spaces. So it's a it's a seven on Man didn't give up the whole match, and he looked like he was the most likely. He looked more likely to score than Jorginho from the penalty spot. Honestly, that was a great shot. Now, and, and to touch on the quick, like the the quickness. Who's I'm trying to think who the last like super fast player we had was. Um, I'm drawing a blank. It's probably Iron Robin. Was it? Has it really been that mob? Yeah, who have you got? I think so. Robin and Duff were pretty quick, weren't they? I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about sheer sheer pace. I mean, who I was remember. No, I mean, Kalu, when he started, was quick, but that slowly went away. Yeah. Uh, but the well, beginning... Yeah, William's Williams fast. I yeah. mean, we had some... Especially at the beginning. Um, yeah, I think Robin... Robert, I think Duff might have been a bit quicker, you know, because he was really direct when he, like, straight down the line. Okay. We haven't had many exciting wingers down the last couple of years. You know, I always cry out for those kind of skillful one-on-one players. I love them. And, you know, having Christian Pulisic back is going to do that. True. Uh, we did have Salah for a little bit, so I can yeah. you know, touch on that. But anyway, you can, you can continue on Timo Werner, Mike. I mean, my, my Timo Werner rating is we're going to bingo with this one because it's seven for me as well. I uh, said it in nice. the Brighton game here. He is absolutely carrying the team at this point. Yeah, he should have scored that chance. There were a few opportunities where I was screaming for him to shoot, where he got it into a nice little angle and then he kind of hesitated. But again, he's new. He's an outlet. He's freaking fast. He gives us excitement. And I keep saying the same thing. When Pulisic's there, him and Pulisic are our key to trophies. They both play. We're going to win. I agree. No, I, can't, I cannot fucking wait. I cannot fucking wait to see everyone in this team fit. Like yeah. Ziyech, Pulisic, everyone playing in there. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. Good. So we're going to get to the next segment, people. We're going to get into the Barnsley preview next. If you forget, the last time we played Barnsley was in 2008. Uh, they beat us in the FA Cup quarterfinals. So it's kind of like a... Like. <laughs> kind of need revenge for that just to shut them up. Oh, um, but uh, who would... Let's start, we'll start individually. Who would we like to feature? And we'll do lineups. So um, I'm going to come to you, Marv, and give me your team for tomorrow and Ooh. what you'd like to see for the team. And then we'll go... You know, we'll work from everyone. 
Okay, we've got to win. Um, oh my god, you just reminded me that was one of the worst days in my life. Man United got yes. out, I think, the day before, and I was like, Yes, we're gonna win the FA Cup. And then I got home, and my dad said we were 1 0 down, and Odi Jai scored. I could not believe it. I wanted Abram, <laughs> I wanted Abram Grant's head on a platter. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, um, yeah th- now that's a coach I didn't really like. Um, anyway, um, I think it's going to have to be Caballero in goal. Uh, we're going to have to shift it around anyway. It's going to have to be makeshift, so Emerson's probably going to have to play. Um, Aspie hasn't played yet, as he's going to be in there. Hopefully, Thiago Silva and Chilwell get in there for some minutes. Um, got to be Hudson-Odoi's got to play. Um, who else is on there? We've got to just play maybe like last season where we stuck in Andrew and, and Ian Matson got some games. Um, I think it's going to be like that with a le- enough talent that we're going to win the game. But yeah, probably be a bit makeshift for me. You think? Because Frank Lampard said, I think it was this morning or yesterday, um, that he, he's not going to be able to get as many youth players in as he would like. And he also kind of questioned the fitness of the team. And he said he wants to use a lot of first-team players to build up their fitness. I think, so, Harvard, right? I, I think we'll see Harvard, and I think, But I think we might get like Tammy or Giroud, someone like that up front. But I do, yeah, I do think it'll be mixed. I do think it'll be a lot more experienced than it was when we played. I can't remember with Nottingham Forest. I can't remember last year when we won like yeah. eight. I don't remember the school. Um, I think it will be a bit more senior than that was. Yeah. Sure. And who do you think you have tomorrow starting tomorrow, or do you think? I, I would. Have... I would like that because he came on and he did really well. So I think it's about we should probably give him a couple more chances before we start throwing him on loan again because the beginning of the season, last season for him, he was absolutely fantastic at the start. There's no reason why that cannot be revived. Yeah, spot on. And uh, Andrew, what's your what's your thoughts for tomorrow's game in terms of what you'd like to see and, and your lineup? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with Marv. I think that we can afford a little bit of leniency in certain areas. I'm not sure you're right. That early cup fixture last season, I don't know if we can go that polarizingly oriented towards the academy. I would like to not, unfortunately, I would like to not see Keppa again. Uh, it's easy mm-hmm. for Frank to hide behind Willie Caballero being a cup keeper to bridge him until the weekend if Edward Mendy is fit by then. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think that Fakayo Tamori is a great shout um, for a center-back pairing. I would love to see a few. It's difficult because our our fitness staff has been very ambiguous about timelines this season for um, injury recovery and, and getting back into the first team. I would love to see either... Tiago Silva or Ben Chilwell uh, get a nod, and ideally, I'd love to see them both um, by the weekend. I, again, you know, because it's not an incredibly strenuous position, I would love to see Ty deployed centrally. Finally, whether he's a, a deeper or a, a more rigid central midfielder, or if he is playing in that ten role, and uh, I, I think that either. Either Olivier Giroud or, or Tammy warrant a start at this point. You know, I, I think that it's it's very evident that they are second and third in the pecking order for who the target man's going to be. And this is a perfect opportunity to give them a run. And if they make a statement, like, let that be our biggest problem this week, right, is that oh, well, you know what, maybe we can slide Timo Werner at, at left wing moving forward and, and play Olivier Giroud down the middle or play Tammy Abraham down the middle. Um, and 
Yeah, I, I think the biggest question mark again, because it's such a a saturated thing after two matches, is is Callum Hudson Odoi going to play? Is uh, uh, sure will. I'm, I'm tired uh, of it. You know, it's been building this tension uh, match after match, and and honestly, day day after day. It's funny. I wake up every morning and I see more conversations about Callum Hudson Odoi, and I think I was in our group chat this morning saying, you know, what what came out about. Hudson Adoy today. It's like, oh no, it's just a continuation of all this bullshit that's going on. So um, I, I think that's going to be more of a statement on Frank at this point. I, I would love some clarity on that. And I am a proponent of not rushing Hakeem Ziyech and Christian Pulisic back to fitness either. So I would be completely fine if they made five-minute cameos, ten-minute cameos at, at most. Um, but really, you know, I think it's Ben Chilwell and Thiago Silva are the two that I would love to be able to see at least a little bit of them, and and Fakayo Tamori as well. Yeah, I think I think all three of those uh, will feature at some point. Um, Mike, what's your what's your thoughts on tomorrow's game, and what, who would you like to see? Yeah, I think Willie's going to be in goal. Um, I think Rudiger probably gets a gets a start in there as well. Yes. I think, um, <laughs> but I also feel like uh, this is the perfect uh, the perfect opportunity to uh, maybe get uh, Ruben Loftus cheek back in the mix um, in mm. midfield as well. Um, I could see that being something. I, I mean, I would love for that to be something, and you know, of course, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a cup game without having uh, a Ross Barkley appearance somewhere in there that too. Is, I guarantee Ross Barkley starts. <laughs> I guarantee he starts. And uh, I can almost uh, guarantee you that we'll get Mason Mount on the wing uh, <laughs> opposite uh, Cho. Uh. <laughs> That's the funny thing is I've actually got my lineup written down and, and this is exactly what I have. So go ahead. And, and it, yeah, and then Abraham. Um, I think I think Abraham starts, um, which you know, it, it kind of begs the question: What the hell are we doing with Giroud? I know that there was some talk about him potentially leaving at one point. And he was like, "No, I'm staying." And we just haven't. He hasn't even seen the pitch this entire season thus far. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of like worried that something's going on that we're not, you know, we're not privy to. Nah, you're staying. You're staying. Corey, what's your what's your thoughts for tomorrow's game, and who would you like to see? Uh, <clears throat> sorry, yeah. Um, um, I think Willie is obviously confirmed to start. I believe he said it this morning. Um. Lamb said it this morning that Willie's going to start in goal. I know um, he also said that Cho is going to feature. I think Cho is going to start, actually. Yeah. Um, I also think Tiago Silva is going to start. I think he. I think this is going to be more first-team-based than we all imagine. I think it's still going to be – I think it's going to end up being Silva and Zuma uh, as the center-back pairing. I, as much as oh. Fakayo did brilliant during the game um, as the sub-appearance, I still think um, you – Lamps needs to solidify a center back partnership. I'm not going to go through the whole year thinking that it's going to be Zuma and Silva, and then it ends up being like Silva and Christensen or Rudiger and like AC. I can't, I can't deal with that. Like I need a bona fide center back partnership throughout the year, unless someone is hurt. I'm sorry, but that's just how it has to be because we can't. In all competitions? In all, no, not all competitions. But if like during the Prem, I in the Champions League, if they're all fit, those center backs. They have that back four needs to be solidified. At least make it clear who you're who you're picking because I can't deal sure. with the insignificance. Like everyone else during the last year, 
you didn't know who was going to start at center back. We all yeah. knew we weren't sh- we weren't sure. So I think that's where it's going to be. Um, I think Ben probably Ben Schiller probably comes off the bench for a little bit as a, as a sub appearance. Um, Aspie probably starts at right back. Uh, I think I'm going to go four two three one here. I think this is the game where you can expect to have most much more of the ball against Barnsley. I think Kai probably starts in the ten. I think Warner starts on the left. Cho starts on the right, and then I think Drew starts up front, and then I think your your dual pivot is going to end up being Kovacic and Conte. Okay. Yeah, yes. I think that, I just mean I just find it like more first team related than I think more like you know what I mean less youth. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's going to be more first team as well. I, I, you know, just based on Frank Lampard's comments of fitness, um, it says a lot to me. You know, in my lineup, I've got Willie Caballero and goal, I've got Aspi right back, partnership centre backs of. Tomori and Silva, and then I got Ben Chilwell starting actually. Um, I've got Kante, I've got four two, I've got four three three actually. So I've got Kante as the DM, and then I've got Barkley and Loftus Cheek as the two eights. I've got Mount on the wing, yes, unfortunately, but with Cho on the opposite wing, and I've got Tammy starting. That's just my guess. Um, but you know, we we want to see a solid display. We want to see us dominate the ball. We want to see us score goals, and we can't. You know, be getting, you know, having shots against us, and you know, Barnsley are going to come out with nothing to lose. We all know that already, but we can't be getting turned over or anything like that. So we need. Are we at home, by the way? Does anybody know? Yes, yes, we're at home, I believe. Okay, thank God. All right. So you know, they're going to come here with nothing to lose, just like all lower league teams do, and you know, we need we need to show up. But that, that's enough of Barnsley. I'm going to get onto Twitter questions now because we've got quite a bit, actually. This is probably the most we've had ever. Um, you know, this first question was actually going to be part of the preview. So, you know, it was perfect timing. It's from Ooh Jesse, you know, one of our good friends. She, you know, she asked us for our score predictions for tomorrow. Uh, me, personally, I'm going 3-0 Chelsea. I'm going Tammy with a brace and then Callum hudson Doy with the other. And Corey, I'll start with you on your score predictions. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you. I'm going to go with a 3 0. Uh, I'm going to go with the Werner hat trick. Werner hat trick? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Oh, we would love that. Who would yeah, been? wouldn't he? Exactly. And then, Mike, predictions for tomorrow's game 4 uh, 1. Yes, yeah, we're going to concede one. Well, that's a fresh Yeah. Cho's going to get one. Uh, I think Ruben lost his seat, gets two. And Whoa. Mount, yeah, Mount gets one on a free kick. <laughs> okay. Calling it. I I really really like Mike's scoreline. I I enjoy the academy involvement there as much as I would like Corey's idea of uh, Timo Werner hat trick. Let's save it Just for the Premier on, League. Dude. You Just know, let's on. let's let's <laughs> let's pad those stats, please, in the Premier League. Um, I. I think that going into this match, one of the biggest points of emphasis is going to be keeping a clean sheet, though. So I'm with Mike. I think it's going to be a resounding scoreline. I I do think there's going to be involvement from those academy kids, especially Hudson Adoy with a chip on his shoulder, Ruben Loftus Cheek being deployed in very tenuous positions as well. Um, but I think that Frank's going to set the side up and. Not set the side up defensively, formation wise, but I think he's going to emphasize let's let's not concede. And I think Willie is absolutely capable of keeping that clean sheet. I don't think that we're starting with a one goal deficit like with Keppa. Um, so I, w- I would love a four 0 Three 0 seems reasonable though. Who are your goal scorers? 
I, I do agree if, if uh, ah, you know what, I, thinking back about the Leicester match last season, I, I bet you Barkley gets one because we all know he's nailed on as weird as that is like there, there's oh, yeah. no logical, there's no underlying logic that makes me think that Ross Barkley would be nailed on, but he, he's absolutely going to be. And I, I know he's going to score some ridiculous screamer. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, probably Barkley and, and one of the Academy kids, whether it's hudson Adoy or Loftus-Cheek, one of the kids who has something to prove at this point. Okay. And Marv, score predictions and scores, please. 3-0 uh, for me. Um, I think one for Abraham, one for Loftus-Cheek, and one for Rudiger. Rudiger, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I'm throwing him in there. Yeah, of course, you had to, you had to, you had to. Uh, the next question comes from at Fuad. I'm going to butcher his name, so I do apologize. Underscore... Adi, A-D-E, 25. Uh, he asks, are we going to sign Declan Rice this summer or not? Uh, for me, I, I think we're certainly going to try. Um, you know, but we need to sell guys and have the ability to do so. Um, guys, I'd love to get you to chime in. So, Corey, go ahead. Uh, no, I think uh, I think we're done after Mendy as much as really? I think Frank. Yeah, I think as much as Frank or as much as the board probably would like to spend more money, I think... I think it's going to be too much that West Ham asked for. I think they're going to want big money as much as they're kind of plummeting at the moment. I still think they're going to want, you know, 50, 60 million. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, unless something, you know, happens in the next couple of days, it's going to be probably unlikely that we spend any more money. Yeah, fair enough. Mike? I mean, I don't think it's for a lack of trying, but yeah, I, I agree with Corey. I don't, I don't see it. I mean... I don't see it happening unless we we start this massive fire cell on you know Deadwood essentially. So um, if that happens, then yeah, I think there, there's a good chance that he comes in, and I think that would that would, the writing would be on the wall if we start to sell a lot of these players or at least ship them out to on on like loan or something. But I just don't I just don't see that happening. Or I just personally I don't I haven't heard anything that you know credible that would point to oh my god this is really this this is like the Havertz deal all over again. Right, I mean, to, before I come to Andrew, um, Fabrizio Romano has said on multiple different podcasts that the second Mendy's done, the full force focus goes to um, goes to Declan Rice and the defensive midfielder. So I definitely think we're definitely going to try. Um, and, you know, whether it happens or not, it, it, we, we find out. And uh, Andrew? Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm with Corey and Mike, right? I, I know that Fabrizio Romano had alluded to interest and, and Chelsea wants to pivot as soon as Mendy is secured towards Declan Rice. But even with the Mendy signing, you know, I, I've heard these rumors about a medical and I've heard these rumors about him arriving in London. It seems like for, you know, 10 consecutive days. And it's funny because I think that that actually coincides with as soon as we started making a concerted effort to look to displace our incumbent players, our Deadwood, and and ship them off. And you could tell that we lost a little bit of velocity. You know, at, in January we we moved with Hakim Ziyech so quickly, and even with Timo Werner, that happened so so quietly and and so quickly uh, compared to what Liverpool did with Thiago, which was this whole saga. I, I don't think what we have we have two weeks left in the window, give or take. Um, I, I don't think that we'll be able to do it. And and at the end of the day, with Ampadu on loan, and as much as I want to see Reese James uh, slot into a six role, 
Declan Rice right now might be a little bit redundant. I would love to be able to have rotation for N'Golo Conte because I think he needs it and he burns out every season. But boy, I um, I just don't think we can spend sixty million on a on a alternate uh, six this season. Sure, I appreciate that. And Mark, thoughts on Declan Rice? Do you think it's going to happen? Uh, I'm going to be positive and just say yes, just because uh, I want it to happen. Um, and uh, the more you think and attract the things you want in life, they come to you. So I'm going to uh, not give any negativity and just say yes, it's going to happen in the summer. Let's get it done. Okay, perfect. Uh, the next question comes from another legend of ours. You know, it's, uh, at RJ underscore Good Things. You know, he supports WWC very much. So everyone who's listening, please give him a follow too. Uh, his question is. Was the criticism of Jorginho after the game from the fan base too harsh or was it appropriate? Uh, for me, it's incredibly harsh. I mean, that's the first penalty he's missed for Chelsea. The first penalty he's missed, I, I think, in his career. You know, I think he may have missed one or two, but if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's not many. So the fact that people are giving him so much criticism for missing a penalty and it's just completely unjustified. What do you guys think? Um, yeah. If I'm, I can take that first. I think, yeah, it probably was a bit harsh. I think that's the heat of the moment in a game, you know, when somebody misses one and you really need to score. So, um, but yeah, I think it was harsh. Anyone can miss a penalty at any time, so you can't really be too harsh on the player for that. It wasn't a bad one, like it was in the, the final against City. His penalty was horrendous, but in this one, I mean, anyone can miss that, and it wasn't even badly placed. It was a good save. That's it. Yep. Anybody else? Or were you all in agreement? Agreed. Yeah, it was two caricaturish moments, right? The the Robertson fall will always be immortalized, and I, I think that's not indicative of his performance for 90 minutes. Uh, I don't think the penalty was either. So, yeah, I, I, I would say it's exaggerated for sure. Absolutely. Uh, the next comes from Chelsea for Life, 32, a.k.a. Concierge of Crime, another legend of mine. Uh, he asked... Thoughts on the loan DM discussion and its position where we really need? Is it a position we really need? Or could we, or could better tactics and coaching prevent us uh, from being always caught out on the counterattack? Uh, Marv, I'm going to come with you for this because I know you're a big fan of, you know, the coaching and the kind of way we handled the midfield defensive roles. So Absolutely. go ahead and take that away. Absolutely. I think... Um... I think that we definitely do need it because of balance. There is no one in there in the team that does sit and defend. And we can say that it's an overstated uh, position all you want. But all the best teams have it. And, uh, you know, we've got players, lots of players that play similar roles or roles that are next to similar roles. But we have no one that can actually defend. Um, and that's one of the biggest problems. Um, thinking that, you know, that all stemmed from people thinking like Kante is a defensive midfielder when he's not. And uh, Jorginho being able to play there, which he cannot. So, yeah, the, the spaces in behind the midfield, in my opinion, tactically are the biggest problem that we currently have. And we've addressed all the other problems uh, slowly in the, in the window, uh, hopefully. Um, but for me, that's still the biggest problem. So many teams can attack because of this. So they can uh, build attacks by going straight over the top, just like they did. Well, you know, the goal that we conceded, it come from that similar thing. Straight over the top, in behind versus one defender, and that was it. So I think possibly it even makes it, and you couple that with having a terrible goalkeeper at the same time, it's it is a kind of like you know it all turns into the perfect storm in this sense. So yeah, I do I do think it is needed, and I think it's been needed for a little while now. Also, strength is a key issue. Look at our midfielders; they're all weak. 
none of them are strong in the tackle, and, and that's that's a problem. It's a problem. Absolutely agree. Um, I, I don't think this could be fixed with coaching. I do think it's a personal issue. Um, anybody else? Got an agreement or any other takes? I agree. Okay. Yeah, I got I got no issues with that. It yeah, you don't have to coach. You don't have to be a coach for twelve years to figure that out. <laughs> oh, you just. Have to <laughs> all right Uh, that perfectly ties into the next question comes from our big boy um con cfc you know he asks um the legend himself asks you know our thoughts on Declan rice i'll start now i'm sorry to disappoint you con but i actually like Declan rice Uh, i think he has you know the potential to be unreal as a dm um, he has all the physical, he has the physical presence, like Marv was saying, you know, he's a big body, he can win a tackle, um, and he has the pace, he has, to me, he just has all the tools uh, necessary, and if you can put it all together, then he will be great, um, so what, what's everyone's thoughts on Declan Rose? Real quick. Uh, I'm very pro, um, I think he's a good player, he's a, he's a good tackler, he's a good like short passer i think for what we need he's probably ideal he's young as well he fits the bill can probably get him now for me you know he connects uh, people hate that but he connects well with mason and i think it's not just that it's kind of a core we're trying to build right so if you build a young core over the course of the next six seven years it could be a dominant team so yeah i'm completely yes for this uh, signing absolutely and yep and andrew you agree on Declan Rose? Absolutely. No, I'm I'm a massive proponent of Declan Rice. I, I think it's actually a little bit reductive to call him, you know, a, a defensive midfielder. Uh, uh, like Mark was saying, it's it's true. They, they aren't um, very bold passes that he makes, but he's very poised. He he moves the ball well um, from a tactic. He shifts it well. Uh, so he, he understands what what side of the field is is loaded. Um, and he's able to to pivot with a lot of composure and and move the ball. And and Marv's right that the chemistry is not something to be um, understated. And Ingolo Kante is twenty nine. I know that is a moot point. Ingolo Kante is a engine, and he is timeless. And as long as we don't burn him out every season, um, he you know he will continue to be that way um, for for years to come. But yes, massive proponent of Declan Rice. Okay, Corey, Andrew. I mean, Corey and Mike. Declan Rice. Yeah, I would. T- I would take him. He's be- hey, he's a great player. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Mike. Mike and Mike. Shut up! Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah. No, I guess I had on mute there. Uh, you know, I, I like that dude, and sometimes the hottest waitress at the Waffle House is actually hot. So um, I'm <laughs> <laughs> that is a beautiful poetic analogy, Mike. <laughs> For sure. Um, and we we are running out of time. So to unfortunately, the people who did submit questions, I will get you on the next one. I promise you that. But I do have to wrap it up right now. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming on. So I'm going to start with Mark. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Hey, man. It's a pleasure. Always. Absolutely. And Corey, Corey. Uh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure with all the boys. Absolutely. Andrew, appreciate you coming on, making some time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what, speaking about the Liverpool loss for about an hour, 
Uh, I didn't <laughs> think that it could, it could be this pleasant, but uh, yeah, it, it was an awesome time. I appreciate it, guys. Absolutely, you're very welcome. And uh, your new your article will be dropping soon, so to the people listening, keep an eye out for that. And yes. uh, and Marv, thank you so much for making time for me, my friend. Uh, anytime, my man. Thank you for having me for another wonderful pod. Absolutely. And to the listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, do the usual: rate us, subscribe, uh, tell us your feedback. You know, give us your your good, your likes and your dislikes, and tell us what we can do to improve. But besides that, we appreciate you for listening, and the next one will be out shortly. And again, as